Greg Minar, Adam Sansirulo, and the Pugs are on a burning building. Who do you save? <laughs> Is it a social media crime to like your own photos? <laughs> yeah, not this. Karen's a dickhead. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Welcome to the Free Ride New Zealand podcast, episode two. Um, this one is all about the Fort William downhill in Scotland. This week, it is myself, Jay French, joined by my co-host, Kieran Bennett. Hello. And this week, we are joined by local legend, World Cup rider, privateer, racer, many things, Dan Sims. Wow, what a what an intro. Uh, thank you very much for being. I'm stoked to be here, guys. Thank you very much for being here. Fuck, sorry, start again. <laughs> fuck. No, that's all right. You can cut that shit out. Yeah, cut I like it. They probably won't. It'll just leave it in here. Yeah. Like the time that I said fuck lots, and then, he just, <laughs> and then he just made the whole start of the video me. Oh, it's nerve wracking being in the studio. Yeah. Oh, she's a pretty fancy studio. What can yeah. I say? Um, I want to do some housekeeping before we get started. Uh, need to give myself a plug. Free ride New Zealand on all of the things. At Kieran Bennett thirty six. Click that follow button. Get on there. Dan at DS Sims on the Instagrams nice um, so we said if we had enough listens enough downloads that we'd do another episode so we are back there have been enough people thankfully listening to it Karen's mum's downloaded 30 40 episodes of the Free Ride New Zealand episode one yeah after I taught her how to use the podcast app it's gone great so. yeah so thanks to thanks to that we're back in business for another round um, this time we're going to be talking about the UCI downhill race from Fort William. Um, I mean, let's just go ahead and get into it. We don't really have any follow-up from Lords because we tried that earlier and it didn't work out for us. Um, let's talk about let's talk about Fort William. Yeah, we're back in the the iconic Fort William. I think that was the what are we sixteenth sixteenth year I think of yep. racing in that place. So I remember I think two thousand two was the first World Cup they had there. That was right about when I started racing. I think so. Yeah, it's a it's a great venue, one of the it's most popular iconic. venues on the mm. on the circuit. Yeah, the fans there are insane. Like the yeah. place is just absolutely packed. When yeah. you finish the race, it's impossible to get out of the keyhole because there's just people everywhere, like twenty five people deep trying to get out of there. So yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty amazing, pretty amazing place. And they line the track too, and you see it in the live feed. Like it's just loud the whole way. It's not an easy place to get to. Not no. at all. <laughs> And the midges. Oh, uh, I remember I had to camp there when I was, when I raced there, and the midges were just unbearable. Horrendous. Yeah, it's right by Loch Ness. Fun Which fact. makes it more impressive that all those people show up. It's yeah, good. and you don't even mm. know where they come from. The place isn't that mm. big, and then all of a sudden there's like forty thousand people there. Mm-hmm. Estimated number, off so, the top of my head. <laughs> so, um, what's happened uh, in the lead up to this race? Um, I think notable fact: G. Atherton has been taken out with an injury. I think everyone, every bike company that didn't have a 29er downhill bike has been going, oh shit, and trying to build downhill bikes with bigger wheels for this race. Yeah. I like, like, we'll get onto the 29-inch wheel thing in a bit because, you know, it is a really prevalent subject at the moment. It's a pretty hot topic right now. Um, but I'm just you trying to think of anything else that's happened. Oh, we, well, I guess this is a an opportunity to see guys that were usually protected have to qualify. Yeah, good point. Which, um, true. which 
Yeah, it, 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 I don't know if the format's changed since we last raced World Cups, but yeah, it was a, it was a lot. It's a lot harder when you are not protected mentally, and then you also don't get as much track time. Yeah. Um, yeah. and in qualifying, it's still, um, ranked order for quality. So if you have a low ranking, you go later. So yeah. the tracks usually, yes. like you might not race that track for, well, you might not ride the track, sorry, for five hours before your quality and you've got all these lines and, and then all of a sudden you're going down there flat out and everything's changed and you're just having to guess where to go and, now that happens. So, yeah, opportunity, I guess, to see people that usually have it pretty sweet going into quali. Yeah, because um, Gwyn talked about that in his interview mm. about how he had to, to qualify because he wasn't protected. Yeah. Because um, he was disqualified after Lords. Yeah. Mm. And um, I guess, and that'll be the same for um, for Danny next weekend as well. Yeah. It's, it's a, definitely added pressure. Still a couple of guys that would probably normally be qualified that aren't in there. Uh, yeah, like pre-qualified and, you know, top 20 overall that aren't quite in there yet. So they'll it'll even out, though. It, it, the people that were kind of, like, got into that top 20 with a bit of luck from Lords have kind of already been shuffled out. So, mm-hmm. Well, like people have alluded to, it's the first real race of the season. Like, yeah. the season has actually begun now. Yeah, I think, like, people, you know, talked about it being shit with Lords kind of moving the results all over the show but you look at the overalls now and they're not that far out of place you know like Minar's leaving Marcelo's in second he's always a podium threat Jack Moyer just got second um you know all the other guys a lot of the top guys are still in the top 10 or pretty close around there so it's all gonna it's all gonna balance itself out from now um, what's going on with the Fort William track um, from the, the course previews and having a look at it beforehand it doesn't look too different to previous years um, what really stood out to me which is one of the first things that I saw is they've changed the jump under the Visit Scotland arch um, they've tamed it down a little bit probably due to the the spectacular crashes of George Brannigan and Manon Carpenter in past years Yeah, um, and by the time you get to that jump you're like four and a half minutes deep into a race run and you are cooked already so if you come into it a little bit weak or a little bit lost concentration you can see how quickly that goes bad and people get hurt so probably the only person who's feeling good at that point is adam brayton yeah <laughs> all that crossfit he's done done um, um i know uh, marcelo was pretty quick down there too oh yeah it was incredible um because it's that one thing though people probably don't know is just how <coughs> steep that the downside after that jump is um, yeah. like you you just even if you're just rolling off that thing you almost float down there don't you so, it's hard to, it's hard to keep your wheels on the ground off that yeah. thing because you if, come rolling in and you just air out and then you're like you can see it in the live feed there's a couple of kind of sketchy little steps down towards the bottom of it which you don't really realize but there is actually a slight drop off those and you're kind of landing right on that bottom one and it can be pretty squirrely down there like i've never ridden fort william track but having shot there um and standing up the top by the visit scotland arch kind of for the the top 15 and then maybe the top 10 you want to start heading down um i think it was in 2014 uh i stayed up there until the last rider went down and then ran down it to the finish corral once you're inside the tape because there's like two drainage ditches on each yeah. side you can't mm-hmm. get out so running down the track just on my bum the whole way down it's so steep like <laughs> yeah. could not get traction running down that but it's real steep but you don't see it on the TV. It never no. looks that steep. But nothing ever does, though. No. No, this no. year we had uh, we had Mudbog Gate. 
is what I'm going to call it. Oh. The, uh, Could you put the, a gate on the end of something? It must be it must be legit. <laughs> yeah, well, the drama with the uh, with the middle section in the woods, and I mean, to me, it looked shit. Like it was a joke. They they had that same section last year, and it was shit last year. And Pretty it was shit the year before as well. Uh, that same piece wasn't in there last the two years ago, but it's it's in its second year now where they've got that, and it's it's crap. It's flat. It's boggy. It doesn't make for good racing. It was like a roll of the dice for the top guys in the sport to get through there. Like, but was it like that in qualifying? Yeah, it was. There was a lot of people that didn't make it qualifying. Like, if you have a good look at the results, you can see people who are decent riders, maybe not the top ten guys or whatever, but guys that went down in there because you can see it in the splits you know like they're reasonable reasonable and then gone well let's talk about qualifying quickly okay um it was great show for the 29 inch wheel great show for santa cruz syndicate so by the looks of things santa cruz syndicate are a two for two on the um team's qualifying they're winning that (laughs) (laughs) um only that was a race (laughs) interesting stat i read somewhere if you're winning well we're talking about qualifying but it says what said if you're winning practice you've got a 45% chance of getting on the podium. Which isn't much, you know, you'd think for, like, if you can lay down the fastest time in time training, you'd think you should be, you know, like, have a pretty good chance of podium. I would mm-hmm. I would think 45% would be less than what you'd think, but... This would be a great time to get Ed Masters on the, on the phone, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it would, but, yeah, it's, um, that is interesting. No, syndicate. But time training also means as little as flipping a coin sometimes that's and true a lot of people don't always put down heaters so but where, yeah where I, was jack moyer qualifying second ah yeah, third sorry third. Yeah, yeah he was right there him and loris were and, and that bike had obviously had previous development yeah they were and, testing that pre-season when mm. they had their camp on in the um in the u.s pre-season and greenland chose to run the 27.5 or yeah. he didn't have an option was, I think he was still 27.5 I'm yeah, not he was sure 27.5 what... Danny Hart was 29 yeah mm. and but Laurie was right up there wasn't he he was yeah, he, he was, was fastest in time training but mm. he where did he go in qualifying he was he's he's pretty he's pretty tough eh he, he's had a, he's had a couple of crashes and practice and whatnot I think lately and seems to just be bouncing bouncing yeah, he back a, and he had a real bad crash in like Fort, Fort William like that top section It'd be like just crashing off onto the road, you know. It's that oh, hard. Yeah, I've seen Loris Vergier go down up there, and he went oh. down real hard, and just brushed himself off and kept riding. But um, so you know the kind of rocky piece up in the top that's right underneath the lift, and it drops straight into a right hander. Hmm. You see them from behind in the live feed. Yeah, I uh, blew a hand off the handlebars and went over the bars, like as I went off the top of that thing in two thousand nine in my qualifying run. Fun fact: I didn't qualify, so. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, the um, it it looks rough. It is rough. It is rough, but it's not as bad as other. <coughs> say, like you've ridden Angel Fire in New Mexico. Yeah. It's the rocks are rounded. So if you're if you have stiff suspension and you can hang on, like you're strong, the bike's set up pretty good. I found the hardest part was the actual loose kind of gravelly fine yeah. corners and that what if, what if it's wet though it's i think it's better it's, if it's so wet. much better that yeah. top stuff is so much better when it's wet it has massive amount of traction like we're not trying to take away from from greg here but uh <laughs> <laughs> it definitely has more traction in the wet I yeah think. and and i guess sure. quali was pretty dry wasn't it it had been dry there yeah, and it was still dry for qualifying i think pretty easy to throw it away in one of those turns yeah 
which a lot of people did in finals too there was people that were you know coming in already way down out of the first split that you saw mm. on the live feed so but that's a uh, that's oh. for finals talk okay do we have anything more for qualifying not really there was nothing too crazy that jumped out we had um blinky and six which was good to see him lay down a heater and be right back up there he um he's had a rough couple of years but i think that was good to see him you know right back in the mix with those guys where he belongs brock was right up there too wasn't he uh would oh, have had brock 16th it's pretty i have a i have a comment finn's bike looks too small <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i wrote that but um maybe from the quali some footage he's a, he is a small guy but yeah um, his bike looks very small I don't know if it, how it would go that well on that track. I think you want a long wheelbase, but yeah, it would be. It'd definitely be an advantage to have a bit of a bigger bike down mm. there. It's just so fast. Yeah, and we had our own uh, resident, just fresh off a uh, his German rampage run, Eddie Masters, back into the downhill racing scene, and he he qualified in the the glory seat of 80th position. I think you should explain why that is. An interesting fact for those who might not know. Well, as there is only 80 people taken for qualifying, he was the very last person that made it in, and his time difference to not making it in was about 0.2 of a second. So that's not much, and that's a good place to be. 81st, been there, it's not a good place to be. You've qualified 81st? Yeah. Oh man, that's got to shit you. Yeah, that was terrible. I was going to ask if you'd ever qualified 81st. Yeah, it's not good, Mount St. Anne. Yeah. I had a run of just 90 to ninety to 100, usually because of crashes, but yeah, not, it, not, it's, not good. You got one, one shot, yeah, it's so tough when you're there it with the tough. guys and you, you have to go all the way over to like Europe or something and you don't mm-hmm. even make the race, like that's rough, yeah. man. Yeah, that's we rough. also saw uh, Sam Hill come from the uh, EWS just to do, do a downhill race, a World Cup. He just snuck in in 78th. I, believe, then, I believe he was, he's trying to get on the Australian national downhill team yeah. for world champs. It makes sense. He'd be wanting to Did race. Do you have handguards? I don't know. That was one thing I was wondering, though. <laughs> I'm not sure what's up with that, but it's not a good look. Yeah. And then uh, we had guest flat Adam Brayton in 77th as well. So another... He must have gone down. Yeah, I'd say there was crashes for those guys, but yeah. anyway. So uh, Rachel qualified first for the women. Yep. But, unfortunately... Um, the streaks come to an end. Yeah, in her one and only practice run before <laughs> before the race, she went down and she dislocated her shoulder. Um, it's a double dislocation for the Athertons in yeah. two mm. weeks. And that's it. She's Not been, she's been winning the Women's Downhill World Cup for two years now. Um, she was, what, how many r- runs has she won in a, in a row? I don't even know what it got up too, to. It got too ridiculous. Many. Yeah. But hey, she's still technically unbeaten because yeah. she didn't actually line up to race no. and her qualifying time was still 10 seconds faster than the finals time. Well, Would she have qualified with the men? Oh, that's a good, good question. Isn't that one of her life goals? 539. I, I would say that probably wouldn't have happened. Nah, she was still a long way off. Because she got pretty close one year. I think she's come within a second or two. Yeah, she was uh, still once. a good probably... 15 to 20 seconds off. Oh, but wow. Okay. She was 13 seconds up on second place in That's qualifying. Incredible. That's it's incredible. ridiculous. Kind of, I think we were saying this last week, but it's a bit sad because, you know, her, the time has come that she's going to be 
someone else is going to win a World Cup. Her streak's been ended, but it's not by being beaten, which is a shame. It's because she wasn't she, able to line up and race. She got beaten down. Mm. <sighs> but, Man, yeah, it would have been so rough being her, though, just standing up the top there and seeing everyone else and knowing that there's no way that she was going to win. She had no say in that matter. Yeah. She, she seems quite positive about the whole thing, doesn't yeah. she? I, I do really quite... Like, I don't really follow the woman racing too much, but when I see her interviews, she's always very positive. Pressure's off now awesome. though. That's what I was about to say. It's probably taken a weight off her shoulders. Shut you know, there off. would have been so much like hype going on, which there was Every about time. unbeaten for so long. And hey, she, she did it for long enough that she got the record and that oh, well. Cause every yeah. time it's like, is this going to be the one that beats me? Like, you know, that, that pressure doubles each time. Cause it's like, Oh shit, it hasn't might be the next one. Yeah. But do you, could it be the other side, like where you've just you've got so much momentum and you've snowballed those wins? You know, when you start winning stuff, it's it's almost hard sometimes. You know, towards and say say a rider starts winning halfway through the season, and it's just almost easier as it as the season progresses. You guys find that, or I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I think like that your confidence builds. Yeah, All right. Oh, yeah, when she's sure. qualifying and you know thirteen seconds up, like I don't think there's that much pressure on like she knows she doesn't have to be on the everyone's on the edge, looking you know? out though like yeah. she's got a target on her back yeah, like no one else for sure for sure that but, must be that, that would be tough it's um, pretty um but yeah so that let left the door open for tracy hannah to win which was it was pretty rad to see tracy win like she's about the same age as me so i've known her for a long time she stopped racing for a little bit and then decided to make a comeback and she's been steadily kind of getting faster and faster and she put 10 seconds into second place still so man she had a she had a wicked result are you surprised that tani didn't take it you know because she's been um, coming up she's been coming up fast um she was the the one who looked like she was primed to take the win off rachel if it was going to happen plus it was in the uk so it's pretty much her home track yeah i this, guess i guess you'd think that but then yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like herself. It sounds like she maybe had some problems with the hashtag Mudbog Gate yeah. in her race run <laughs> because she was pretty outspoken about that piece of track. So yes, well, we'll get to that. Um, she was fastest at the first split though. Miriam Nicole was the only rider to rock up from the women's field on a twenty nine er, and she talked about it at the start, feeling a little bit. Uh, exposed because she was only one a little bit anxious because no one else was riding a 29er but then afterwards she was like no nah, I've made the right decision it was the right bike um, oh, if there's any track for a 29er I'd say other than the, the mud bog section but everything else that's the track for it I'd say just um, while we're vaguely talking about the women's racing I just mean vaguely talking about the women's racing we started talking about 29ers again let's be real um just Tracy Hannon now is leading the overall by 90 points, which is a, this is a pretty solid margin after two races. She's had a, a third and a first now, and then Miriam Nicole's in a f- second with a fourth and a second. So, big DNS. Presuming, presuming Rach is out for majority of the season. Yeah, oh, I mean, you'd have to assume she's probably going to, if it's bad enough that, you know, like if it was dislocated bad enough that she didn't race you'd think she's probably going to miss next weekend as well at Lear Gang. So, I mean, if she misses that, it'll be hard to come back. But, yeah, she's still in third, so she's not... Probably won't be that hard to come back. No. She'll just yeah. win everything else. <clears throat> yeah. Because that's what she does. But, yeah, I just found that kind of kind of interesting and pretty cool to see Tracy leading. 
Yeah, it, like it was refreshing to see different people. With everyone had a, a chance to win that race, and that was refreshing. Yeah. Um. So it was. We had. Uh, Tracy Hannah in first, Miriam Nicole in second, and Emily Siegenthaler in third. Um, so that was her best ever result as well. So yeah. she, she used to travel down and race the New Zealand Nationals. Yeah, Emily comes to New Zealand quite a bit. She still comes down to yep. Queenstown, doesn't she? Yep, she was. Yeah, it was awesome. Those work. were the good days. To, good to see. Good to see Emily pull a pull a good yeah, result like that. So. Definitely. And that's about it. Yeah, the juniors, man. Matt Walker, not New Zealand. The Matt other Walker, Matt Walker, but the other Matt Walker. He um. He killed it. He was five seconds up on Finn in second place. And yeah. His time was actually top 10 overall. Really? Yeah. We're talking race? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that's impressive. Yeah, that was, um, you're like, his his 10th place was, man, that's solid for a junior. Mm-hmm. But also beating Finn, that's something that doesn't happen that often yeah, nowadays. Sound, sounds like, wow, could be that small bike of his, but yeah. sound, sound like he didn't have a good weekend. <laughs> Oh, yeah, um, mentally maybe. Matt um, Walker's home track as well, isn't it? If he's so, where did who was Matt Walker riding for before? Madison uh, Saracen. Yeah, he's been on Saracen for a couple okay, of years. So he's now. he's just building, right? And I guess Simmons is the the head of that team. I yeah. suppose you'd call it. Yeah, he'd be the lead rider. Probably a good person to be under too. I'd imagine he would be yeah, easy think... to learn off and and probably all solid down to earth guy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and. Pr- like quite structured and yeah, probably has really good feedback to, to give his younger riders. So mm. the men's yeah. race, Greg Minar, first place. I reckon everyone knows that by now, but hey, it's good to reiterate these good points. 20th World Cup win. Seventh, Seventh. at Fort William alone. He's Third impressive. in a row. He's a beast. Fun, fun fact for you. Yeah. And he's, he's really nice guy. Yeah, he's, oh, he's chatted with my mum a few times. Oh, and mum will always ask, "Oh, how did Greg do? How did Greg do?" Because he's was that nice, mate. Greg. <laughs> well, he's just he's just solid. Yeah, like very professional. Probably more athletic he's, than he's anyone the, else. He's the, the consummate field. professional. You know, like yeah. he's great with media. He's an animal on the bike. Yeah. He's got style. He's the you know he's a beast. But he's um. Has an average winning time of two point four seconds at Fort William over his seven World Cup wins. So that's an impressive stat. He's well he's stamped his margin on that. Biggest was three point three six seconds, and the smallest was one point one nine. And because so. he was the first to um, he was the first place qualifier. He was the last to come down the hill on the day, which means he may have got worse conditions than anyone else. People were saying <laughs> he definitely got some rain. Yeah, you said he had a lot of problems with visibility, especially towards the end there. Yeah, like before he had he had one tear off to pull. Yeah, and he I thought he was on was he on roll offs or tear-offs? no, just tear offs. He had oh, one really? on and he pulled Shit. it just That's before risky. he went into the woods. He was saying like how how hard it was getting to see down before the woods. So yeah, I tend to prefer to run the roll offs myself, especially if it's raining. But you have to have a fresh, um, you know, the flap on yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. So that nothing get, can yeah. get under. Goggle prep. That's it's mm. the key. I still think uh, Danny Hart, Schladming, World Champs, best roll-off performance of all time. Yeah, riding riding <laughs> slippery corners, foot off, one-handed, put, oh, like doing ro- like pulling his roll-offs. Yeah, that was awesome. Sorry, segue. That's all right. And then, uh, oh, so probably sh- the yeah the the biggest upset or biggest surprise was Jack Moyer. Yeah, well, Shark Attack Jack. He went from, a good his, went from his third place qualifier into second so that was 
it was awesome to see. Mm-hmm. He killed it. He was looking good. He looked like he rode really good. And um, <clears throat> back on that 29er thing, I think that bike suits him because he's he's, he's pretty a, tall. He's so. a big guy. He's over six foot. Yeah. <coughs> and I mean, we'll probably get on to 29ers a bit more later, but you, you look at this, you know, like Greg is probably six foot two. Jack would be the same height you know i think it's i think it's kind of horses for courses you know the big guys will be able to fit the 29ers better and you know i don't want to talk about the 29ers just yet because you know it's a whole other thing but that's a really good point so what happens if you are a smaller guy you run 24s <laughs> do you even remember that <laughs> no, used to have bikes with 24 inch wheels or do am you I dating consider myself? yourself to be a big guy karen because i'm a small guy i would I mean, I'm over six foot, so I would, I would guess so. I'm at the taller end of the spectrum. You're all in on the 29. I think you just got to make up time in different places. But then you look at Brosnan. Yeah. He's done really well at Fort William. He's tiny. You have less drag, potentially, because you're a smaller... It's true. He's the exception to the rule. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, Finn's small as well. Lewick's not big. No. He's chunky, but... That's the um, thing. People talk... I know, like, there was a lot Danny Hart's small. There was a lot of talk about, like... Mount St. Anne's a man's track, you know, it's for the big guys and blah, blah, blah. And then Brosnan has killed it at Mount St. Anne yeah. multiple times. I think you just make it up in different times. Like, yeah. I used to ride with a uh, friend of mine um, up in Auckland, and he was a big unit. And on the straights, like, at momentum out of turns, like, you'd be sprint pedaling, and he was just coasting, pulling away from you. But as soon as you hit the woods or anything tight, that's where the little guys yeah. can make up a bit of time. So I guess it's just, yeah. One day they'll have stats where we can see the gap. Yeah. But if the industry Real starts time. pushing people to 29ers and everyone's like, well, 29ers are faster, is it going to start I don't negatively think, affecting some of the riders? I don't think we're going to see a full switch to them. We've kind of just gone straight into this 29er topic like you didn't want to do. But. Yep. <laughs> I think it's proportional, right? Yeah. Like, same with bar widths. Like, I've... I have quite narrow bars and everyone always gives me... Well, not as narrow as, as some others, but... um. You know, it should be your bar width should be proportional to your your arm. Yeah, span, it's ridiculous. You, know? you see these kids and they think they have to run eight hundred wide bars, bars and they yeah, and it th- makes them ride like shit because think, they um, are so out of proportion for it. I think with the obviously the twenty nine is going to suit tall guys like Jack Moyer, uh, Greg Minard, yeah, probably Nathan Rennie, those guys back mm. in the day. Steve Pete, like yeah, you see, watch some of those old videos. Those guys were so cramped on those bikes. Um, and very little room for error. So I think it's proportional. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to see a full industry switch like we did from 26 to 27.5 because, I mean, it was... You look at 26-inch wheels now and you're like, wow, they're tiny. And, I mean, basically no one manufactures a 26-inch bike anymore, but 29 wheels are big and they do suit bigger people for the most part. So I think we're still going to see most companies offering probably both. You'll be able to buy a 27.5 downhill bike and a 29 downhill bike. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, it is going to be interesting to see where this goes because all of a sudden, all of these companies have finally, you know, Fox have got a downhill fork, Rock Shock have got a downhill fork, and you can actually, you can get good suspension, you can get good wheels, you can get good tires to fit your 29ers. And I think it's just finally, finally catching up. I think that's probably why the intents never caught on a few years ago. For that yeah. exact, no, there was no good tires. No, you were running. You couldn't get XC good wheels, tires, basically. Um, so yeah, we all know <laughs> we've all had a Kenda Nevergale on the front at some point. We've all flattered a Kenda Nevergale at some point. <laughs> Sorry, Kenda. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not apologising for anything. Yeah, 
I so, think I broke my wrist twice because of those. But My next question is, well, now that we're well and truly in the 29 debate that we weren't going to go into, <laughs> um, is it fair? Is it fair that some companies that might have better access to materials can run a 29er while some other companies can't? So you have two sort of competing 27.5, 29-inch wheels on one race thing. Like if this was an F1 race and some car come out and they were like, well, you've got V10s in all your cars, so we're going to put a V12 in. Nah, because all of these bike companies could build this stuff if they wanted to, and they all have access to it, like without a doubt. You should know, should Giant, there be a rule though? Giant could have built a twenty nine er downhill bike over the you know over the off season if they wanted to. Um, all of these guys could have had one ready, but I just don't think people saw it coming. But if it, if they're as clearly as fast as they are, it seems like people that do have them might have an unfair advantage. Yeah, well, well the I think downhill's cool, like because it's one of the remaining very competitive racing sports where you could technically go to a shop buy a bike and win a world cup yeah whereas any other motorsport or okay maybe not even motorsport motorsport in particular because it's big dollars you have to have the top gear and you're not you don't have access to that so it's that's what i liked about downhill like you could literally go buy a bike and win a world cup and i still think that could be the case maybe not right at this point in time but if we start putting rules on the sport um i don't know it just you it's it's one of the ones left that doesn't have rules you know yeah apart from the only rule is the skin suits and no peaks you're not allowed to take your visor off your helmet and yeah. they're too good they're too good rules because that looks terrible so yeah but they're still rules i, I when i started thinking hard about this i was i actually kind of went back to that and thought well i kind of like the fact that it's you can invent something and turn up and 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 so you compete. you could take your own bike on there. You could yeah. go into the shed, weld up a bike, and, and I think that's cool about it. It's accessible, yeah. and um, for a lot of us racing, it's we're not we don't have lots of money. So um, yeah. I think that's a cool thing about the sport. And maybe if it, there was a rule about wheel size, that wouldn't change it. Maybe, but um, but I, mean, I just thought we should keep it ruleless. Cool. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've seen people posting stuff like after this race and they're saying, you know, what's going to happen when 12 year old Johnny wants to get into downhill racing and he has to go buy a 29. Well, that kind of goes back to my point of, I don't think 12 year old Johnny gonna, needs a 29er. I don't think that's going to happen though, because I think you're still going to, like we're saying, you're still going to have shorter guys that are going to suit bikes with slightly smaller wheels. And I mean, I, I like the 29ers and I think they do have their advantages in some places but i think they've got their disadvantages as well mm-hmm. so i don't think it's going to make that much of a difference you know i think people just need to go with it and stop complaining um so another question i had regarding the wheel size thing with the greater rolling space on the tire how did they handle the mud because that wasn't a thing for most of the track but in that what did you call it? Mud bog gate. <laughs> like, do they do they get heavier? Do they become harder to roll with extra mud in there? Is there more surface area to slow down? Like, I guess, yeah, you're, you're right. I hadn't thought about that, but you've got... I mean, you do have the potential to weigh your bike down more because you have a bigger surface area to pick up mud on your, you know, your tyres. They're already slightly harder to accelerate with anyway because they're bigger. Yeah, but then also if you're carrying speed, they accelerate a little bit faster because you've got momentum from right. a bigger wheel, but... So that's the thing, it's 
where they might have an advantage, there's definitely places they're going to have a disadvantage. So, yeah, I think, um, kind of like Danny Danny Hart, I think put it well. Like it, whatever's faster on that day you ride. Mm. Like uh, it's probably a negative that now you might have to have two bikes <laughs> in the shed yeah. because again now you're buying twice the amount of stuff for privateers. That's tough, but um, I think we're only really talking about the very sharp end of the pencil here. Yeah, because oh, then yeah. who's who's having a 27.5 and a 26-inch bike? Like, no, no one is. No. Exactly. And, I mean, when you when you go back into the 30th to 80th positions, it doesn't make that big of a no. difference. Yeah, it's, exactly. Your guys yeah, you've got are, more time in your riding than you do in the bike. That's your, for the top 10 guys. Your guys in the top 10 that are the people that's going to matter are getting paid good money to go and race their bikes. So if their teams can't front up and get them a bike that is air quotes more competitive with 29 inch wheels then you know they need to look at what they're doing because they're trying to win races so they need to basically give their riders whatever they need to do it with so 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 which which of the companies you reckon have been caught napping um i think i think giant might have been I think I, th- I think YT as well. Yeah, I think YT. Yeah, and Giant, YT because because really. yeah. Gwen had that vibe, eh? Where he was kind of his like, interview oh. when he was like, "Yeah, I'd love to get on a 29er, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I can't, so I will just well, have to wait until I can." Yeah, and they've, you know, to to their sort of defence, I've probably put a lot of effort into the last into building that team. Yeah, and they probably didn't even and their company. Well, it's probably the same with Canyon as well. Exactly. I was going to say Canyon. Um, yeah, so even I mean, Specialized though, like yeah, a little bit. Specialized, who were you know they were. They like to call them, basically claim that they were like the 29 trendsetters, you know, a few years mm. ago. And they were... Oh, the Enduro were, 29. Yeah, that's been were, around for like long travel for a while. Yeah, and they're like, hey, you know, we, we started the 29 long travel trail bike thing. And where are you guys at? They've got some sketchy looking bracket, you know, like axle mount that they've basically bolted onto the back of a stock frame. Yeah, that would be a little sketchy to run. Yeah. It was uh, only I, held on by two bolts I, on either side. I took offense to some of Lewick's comments though in that vital interview about just because I like you see that bike and you yeah. just you can imagine the amount of hours that people have put into getting him that bike for that race. Yeah. And then he just kind of plays the cool card. It's very oh, I not, like Lewick. He's, it's not like him nice though because he's always no. such a nice guy. He's like the nice yeah. guy of downhill, isn't he? But he's like, you know, he's going on about doesn't like the bigger wheels because you can't get as sketchy and blah, blah, blah. But shit you can it's all about how you push the bike it doesn't change it that well, much look at, if Gwen hadn't gone down there was a big chance he was going to win that race oh yeah it would have been on super tight with him and Greg so then that would have really thrown the cat amongst the pigeons in terms of the 29er discussion wouldn't it can I just throw something in there though because I've seen a lot of stuff about him crashing but it didn't look like he crashed it looked like he hit the bank I don't think he actually fell off his bike. Yeah, but you know that section. You're carrying momentum. It's a fast He right lost a bit of time. Into a left. Like, I mean, yeah, he definitely lost time. He made a mistake, but I just don't like the whole crash turn yeah, being okay. thrown w- around. washed out. Yeah. But do you reckon it's definitely more than two seconds. Oh, he, he lost a lot of momentum I'd say there. five to six seconds in that section. Yeah. In that same section, shout out to uh, Rupert Chapman for jumping that uh, river gap with a front flat tire <laughs> and barely making it. MVP. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and that well bottom, played. Gutierrez on the bottom section. He's got some horsepower. Oh, man. He is the only person that made up positions on the bottom section of the track. Right. So we're back into racing. Yeah. So now. we're going we're back to racing. Yeah. Yep. Let's tick off. 29ers are done. 
not, yeah, not the, in racing the wise, last, but for the our last podcast. thing I want to say about the 29ers is three of the five um, finishes on the on the podium were riding a 29 inch wheel. Yep. So let's just put it to bed. They're fast. They're competitive. You either I love did, them or you hate them. I did ask some people in the office just a final comment from me on this around the office, not races, just riders, and a couple of them have 29ers. Absolutely love them. Are these guys? Is it strategic? Is it strategic that that is 29er, medium to long travel, is the bike for the masses? It's easier to ride, has more momentum. And maybe they're just pushing these guys very hard to race them. Nah. And maybe that, yeah, no? No, nah, I, I, I don't oh, agree, just, so. Okay, that's good. You, you no, because I know, like, I know the Santa Cruz one was basically 100% driven by Greg. He, he raced a high tower at the final AWS last year at finale and loved it because I um I remember speaking to Marcia's mechanic not long after that and he he just made a passing comment Greg wants to race a twenty nine and now for downhill mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that much had gone on but man they they built a downhill bike mm-hmm. and you know because he went like this is faster and um. Yeah, they got onto it, and then I think everyone else is picking that up too. Just going, well, if we want to win races, this is a good, good thing to help it with. So, but anyway, back to the racing. Okay, who, who? Um, so Laurie Greenland sat in the hot seat for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, he he put down a good good run early on. Who pipped Laurie Greenland? I can't remember. But um, where Jack Moyer looked like he was almost going to take it. Uh, it was Remy, wasn't it? Remy Terion. Yeah, I think so. Um, he looks sketchy at the bottom, eh? Like his... Did you see that? Just f- Remy? Uh, front end diving. Yeah. On all those last jumps. I was like just that, like... Oh. There was one small double I saw him just about go over the bus mm. on just before the wall ride, and I was like, ooh. So he sat there for a while looking pretty nervous, and then Jack Moyer came down and, and took it as well, and then finally, you know, the last man down the hill won on the day. Uh, which is good. It's nice to see racing when the hot seat changes that that often. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like a proper race, unlike the one at Lords. Um, but there was a lot that went on. Did you guys see Connor Farron's top section? Oh, flat pedals, my yeah. hero. Oh, <laughs> dude, flat pedals win medals. Oh, no, there's just not many of us left now. And um, <laughs> but I think it again that the top section's very loose underfoot. So I think it probably suits that if it's not too rough, it suits flat pedals because. You do have a little bit of extra time just to give it, do a dab, if and you can. I feel like you can be more aggressive. He he really he was very aggressive, yeah, and was, his his bike looked good too. Yeah, a flat very flat good. pedals. Even with his flat pedals, he still um he still made up a position in the last motorway section of the track. He oh. was ninth going into it, and he moved himself up onto eighth. So yeah, uh, it was an inspiring ride from Nico Malali. Which is, you know, yeah. I haven't had much to say about him, but obviously being teamed up with Aaron Gwynn's done, yeah. done wonders for he, him. He was in my my sort of standout performance because he hasn't been having a great run of it. No. Um, and I think coming back from a bad run is always really impressive mentally um, if you're in, you know, that rut. I think being on the team with Aaron is just awesome for him. I think it's also good, f- like, I was thinking about this. So Loris and Lewick, you know, good mates, and now they're in quite different positions. Loris has Greg as the the guy to follow. Yeah. Uh, just like Mulele has Gwyn. Mm. 
Whereas Lewick is all by himself. Like he has to be the the leader. He he's the, he's and the I, lead I'm guy. I'm interested to see how that sort of that that plays, plays out. out. Just yeah. because um, I know I would probably like to be in the in either Loris or or Mulele's camp. Just because I think you you have a lot less pressure, and you just have that guy just to to chase, you know, yeah. and to to help you through sections. I agree. Like mm. you you don't you won't have that pressure of feeling like you're the guy that has to pull the results. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's probably a nice, a nice spot to be in. And I think, I think Nico's just, he's got back on a bike that he's, he's happy and comfortable on. And you're actually seeing him, you know, really put in some solid results again this season. So was it, was he not, see. was he not happy on the Scott? Is anyone? Oh, <laughs> Brendan looks pretty good on them. Well, I don't know the amount of linkages and everything they're constantly changing. It looks like they're constantly chasing something that they just can't. It was interesting. Get. I s- last no, was it yeah last year? Sat on a chairlift with the designer, um, and I really wanted to ask him like a real, <laughs> a real like harsh question about the linkage. But he basically and I did ask him a few things, and he told me it was all the whole bike was based around a curve leverage curve yeah and then my question was well who came up with the leverage curve <laughs> yeah. you know that's but no it's i think they're quite good they look good could that's be my opinion oh way too much going on but um, yeah so what happened to uh sam blankensop is he okay because he didn't finish blinky um, blinky he, is okay uh, was he injured or no from what i hear it was a bike malfunction that was big enough to stop him from being able to finish his run so take what you will from that but well, glad to hear he's okay anyway he will be back yeah. for legging Te- and hopefully terrible coverage from like red bull oh. i think it happened a couple of times yeah. where it's like blinky's off the track and someone else is coming down it's yeah. like oh, um we, we don't know what happened to him is he I dead like, the next rider. i used to remember watching fort william and you got to see a lot of the top section yeah they don't show much and now anymore. with this you know, okay, I like some of th- some of the things that Red Bull's doing with like the whole package, but you don't see crap all riding. But how about like you know, like worse than before? You know that track you've ridden there. Like some of the stuff a little bit further down on the, you know, like through the deer fence and that. There's mm. some awesome sections oh, through there yeah. that they could show a lot of track, and it would look so much cooler because it's so fast and it would look so much better than some of the crappy flat boggy sections that they're putting in there and yeah. showing where the best riders in the world look like squids. Tell you what, best riders in the world, Kiwis. Um, we won the live stream. There we had, uh, <laughs> firstly, Blinky making an appearance, like poking his tongue out the camera, oh, yeah. and then Wynn did something similar from the crowd, and then Rupert was like waving to his mum, and then George Brannigan got on there. Um, it was like everyone from New Zealand just managed to make the live stream. We should yeah. probably give George a bit of credit. Hasn't he been battling glandular fever or something? Yeah, yeah he was, was fastest sick. Kiwi on the day uh, with yeah. 15th overall. That's also on a 29er. Brooke. Um, Brooke was in 19th and Eddie was 29th. Uh, 30th. I'm sorry, 30th. With a with a crash. There's a picture of him face down in the mud in his yeah. race run. So from what I hear from a couple of people that were there on the sidelines, Eddie was absolutely hauling ass in... He was seventh at the first split, so he was. Um, he was yeah. on twenty nine, wasn't he? Yep, that mm. that squeezed a twenty nine into this into this stock frame. I mean, basically, you got the Dorado up front. It's pretty easy, isn't it? Was, um, we had a couple of uh, young guys, Cole Lucas or Lucas Cole, as Mountain Bike New Zealand call him. Colin. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, he was sixty first, and then Peter Bethel in sixty third. So it was 
yeah, decent results for those two guys. Yeah, congrats to Peter Bethel for getting to the big show. Yeah, I mean, right. Right. I don't, I don't know right if he's raced any World Cups before. Something happened. Snapped a cleat. Too yeah. much horsepower. Yep. Too much horsepower's out of the gate. Mm. Matthew Walker crashed. <laughs> what is that? Is that coming unstuck? How did he go? Did he do good at Germany? No, yes, he did. He did well. Yes, was it? Yeah, William? Winterberg. Winterberg. Ah, uh, you yeah. did all right there. Yeah. And he, then, uh, but um, he's just—I don't know—he put so much pressure on himself yeah. or something when it comes to to the he's, World Cups. Yeah. Seventy yeah. fourth for Matt Walker, and then uh, as we just spoke about four. Rupert Chapman with the front flat into how did Greg? 76th. Oh, Greg Williamson went down, didn't he? Yeah, he was. I think he's one to watch the next few years. He's fast mm. for sure. Any other standouts like that for for the actual race itself? That's kind of the main things that that stood out for me. One thing I I don't know if a lot of people, I think people have seen this, but Jack Moore, previous like prior to two thousand sixteen. He'd broken the same collarbone three times in six months leading up to the season, and he was having real trouble with getting it to heal properly. And um, was, from what I hear, on the verge of sort of thinking, like, is this even for me? You know, like, am, am I going to come out of this? And so to see him come back and pull this, it's pull to second place and get on the podium, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm stoked for that because he's a real good dude as well. And the fact that Eddie Masters was his team manager. Yeah, and that's he made pretty it. Cool, he made actually. it from you know being yeah, being on Eddie's team. He survived, the and now Black he's Pearl. on a podium. <laughs> that is so a good job, Jack, and, and good job, Eddie. Yeah, good job. I remember Jack Making when he happen. was probably like seventeen, and I saw him at the Mount Saint Anne World Cup in two thousand and twelve, and he was just like this little kid with a massive afro, and he was just ripping on a orange. So, one, th- one thing we missed slipped through the cracks was apparently Gwyn had a remote lockout I didn't see that and I made a comment here The his squash or scrub before that uh, Scotland arch jump yeah go back and watch that he's going off the side of the jump it's, uh, I did I think was, I did see that that was, yeah. that was like Villapoto at Zaka Station eh? oh, actually there was one so good. one more uh, one more thing I wanted to uh, make notice of was um, Eddie Masters rider Reese Wilson pulling with, in 11th. And there, there's a picture of him in the pink bike with like one hand. Reaching like, down, locking, <laughs> locking out, out his, his shock, shock, going onto the motorway. That's like, cool. That's awesome. So that was that was sick. I don't know if he's, um, I think that's probably one of his best results, I would say. So yeah. yeah. Shout out to uh, Reese Wilson and Eddie Masters on the Bergamont Factory team. Where did Bernard Kerr's chain snap? Up the know? top, I think. Really? Yeah. That's pretty impressive. He still pulled a 13th. Fight. He's in good form. Mm, God, that good. edit he, he put out at Queenstown was good, yeah. eh? That yeah. was bloody good. He does put out a good edit. Yeah. That's Bernard. The custom helmets, they were cool. Yeah, that was Any quite favorites? interesting to see. Uh, D3's still the best. They've all just got energy drinks on them. They're kind of boring. There's not much, you know, like, yeah. there's no actual real custom helmets. They were all just sponsored custom painted helmets, which I was kind of like, eh. Hmm. Like, they all just have Red Bull or Monster on them, just about. Yeah, but they're cool. Bring back the creativity. Gwen had a butt patch. What did it say? <laughs> Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> How about um, Chris Kavarik winning Fort William in 2002 by 14 seconds? I just want to throw that in there, because that's, the, that's the, biggest, <laughs> I... the biggest World Cup winning margin ever. Good, relevant stat there. Kieran, yeah. thank you. No worries. Uh, I imagine that he probably didn't have to deal with the muddy water bog gate thing 
Chris no, Kovarik is an absolute animal he's of a, a rider. He's a beast. Because uh, he raced in, up in the BC Cup series um, that I have been racing for the last four or five years. And, yeah, impressive. Like, like when he's in local local tracks, local condition, no pressure, like nowadays, man. Big, big night out before the race and can deliver the next day. Would so. he still be fast if he was racing World Cups now? Well, it was always interesting because there were guys that he's racing against that he'll put a couple of seconds into, which then go to World Cups and either get top 20s so, or, you know, do really well at World Cups. So, I don't know. I always kind of... On a good day, you never know. Yeah, you never know. I don't think you could ever count someone like that out. Like, if you have won at Fort William by 14 seconds, like, you can't be counted yeah. out of any race. He is a really fucking talented bike rider, too. Yeah. All you got to do is follow him on Instagram, and you see just the stuff he does playing around. Like, he has bike skills, so... Yeah. Anyway. Just so, let's talk about the uh, the wood section. This is probably the most controversial part of the whole whole race and i really want to get your guys um take on it so we had a lot of people calling out this muddy wood section online notably uh tani seagrave was really having a dig there um danny hart george brannigan connor Farron. um it did it did seem to be more of the people that didn't do so well on the day um what are your guys feelings on that that mud section should it you know people have been in the past couple of years complaining that the tracks are getting too bike parky is this not um, the answer? I'm I'm fine with it. Like everyone has to ride it. Best man wins. Figure out how to ride it good. Simple. It's a race. Like yeah, everyone complains one way or another. And you're right. Everyone who is complaining in this instance probably it probably didn't go well for them in that section. It's a real play, playing field leveler, like a big I muddy so. section. There's no, like if you're not a really strong rider or, or something like that, you, you know, everyone has the same problems there. What do you think, Karen? I thought it was shit. Basically, I can see your points, but it was, it was badly built. It was narrow. It was absolutely shitty and boggy. It was led into a flat, boggy corner that, the best riders who got through there cleanly couldn't even carry any speed out of like it just wasn't a good look and it was so boring to watch people scooting through there like men and carpet had got off your bike and ran her bike through there like that's yeah, a joke that's, that's not good i think compromise would be make it wide but, enough that when one line is you know yeah. ankle deep ruts you can at least pick something else you know and like i said earlier like that section was shit last year so why don't they do anything and change it and make it that that track is already nearly five minutes long. They don't need to put anything in to make it longer. Like they could, they've got a lot of woods around that section. They could easily make something a bit steeper, a bit straighter, have a few more lines. So we weren't watching the best riders in the world tripod down a yeah, they, muddy. They shouldn't have had bog. the cameras in that section. That's nah, for sure. It looked it looked bad. And like some people like to watch crashes. Though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think like there's. You know, I, I, I've i raced tracks where there's a part, a certain part on the track, maybe it's not a boggy section, but it might be a, a gap or a jump or in a rock garden or something where, you know, it's 50-50 whether you're going to crash mm. you know, every time you ride it. So I don't see too much difference. It just might not look as cool um, with a bog section that 
you might crash when you ride it. So you come in, you take a deep breath, you maybe turn it down a notch. Like a lot of those guys were talking about how they backed off because they came in, you know, all hyped up on a race run, saw the first turn and thought, oh, okay, just get through this section. Whereas the guys that maybe didn't have that sort of experience probably suffered. Although that could have been, you know, the that could have been the, the, the thing that gave it away. It could have been, you know, if you'd given it everything through there and had a had a good run, that could have been your well, your chance you, to win. You know, you, you could have made a precious time. Yeah, you want to gamble. Throw you, the dice. <laughs> exactly. It's it's cool. Like have have a section that that splits it up a bit. How how does it make you feel though? Like as as riders, um, if you'd been telling the officials or everyone was telling the officials like this bit is not working, you know, you've got four days, can you fix it? And nothing was done about that. I think that was some of the frustration that the riders were trying yeah, to get Yeah, maybe out. just the, just simple thing like moving the tape out like another set of trees or something yeah. or and think, then clearing it. So, okay, if that line's gone, everyone can start riding something that's a little hard, more hard pack maybe. I think that's what fucks me off too is that I've talked to a few people that were there and there was people f-bombs telling the <laughs> telling the uci like come on this section needs something done to it like they they could have they've got so much gravel around that place mm. there's gravel piles everywhere because they use it on everything there they could have put something in there so it would have still been difficult but it would have at least you know people would have at least been able to carry a little bit of speed out of it at the bottom even like leave the leave the first technical part and just make it so it didn't look like people came to a stop and had to pedal out of a out of a mud bog and then you put that on tv like they're trying to make the sport look cool aren't they i don't know it's a i reckon it adds a, a little bit as well like maybe not that section as well but you know sometimes seeing people really struggle with a section is is quite thrilling to watch because you're like wow shit that must be hard if if they're struggling so much to go through it you know, it just changes it up. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree in that point. I wonder if, if we'd all ridden it, we'd all be like, that section sucked. I could, <laughs> yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. I couldn't ride that section. I would have done a man on carpenter. Yeah. You've you spent a lot of time with me at races, Dan. You'd know yeah, I would have been a heavy be, We would both be, and Nathan, we'd, me, you, and Nathan Rankin would just be moaning. There would be a lot of complaining going oh, yeah. down. But we'd enjoy complaining about it. Yeah. So do we have anything else to add from the race itself? Not really. I think there wasn't didn't seem to be that much kind of interesting news come out apart it's just a good race it was it was a good it was a good race to watch it was a great race it was just kind of solid weather conditions good fast racing yeah a little bit of controversy and you know greg and i won yeah and that's always a good end to the race so um (laughs) shall we go into the james rennie questions yeah let's have the james rennie rapid fire questions uh, how are we going to do this? Uh, maybe do you want to do one? You, for, you for those, one of for each those listeners that don't these. know James Rooney, do we have we given a, a little description? Uh, Go ahead. At Red Dog Racing, that's a good place to find at him Red on Dog social Racing. media. Handles. Looks like Tim Ferry. Yeah, he's um, a former the f- uh, privateer, privateer hero of the World Cup and scene. co-founder of Red Dog Racing, which was <laughs> probably one of the greatest. If you, want some, if you want some quality content to watch on YouTube, just oh, go search uh, Red Dog Racing webisodes. <laughs> so, there's some solid, I think oh, there might God. be three webisodes on there. It's That's great. embarrassing. So what um, 
Rennie's done is he's in constant contact with Kieran and each week he provides us with a bunch of questions to fire around. Um, so we'll each take turns. I'm going to start with a question for Kieran. Um, is Fort William fun? It is, but it's brutal too. It's uh, It gets fun until you get towards the bottom on like your sixth run and you can barely hold on anymore. That was pretty quick. Good answer. Mm. Short, it's uh, quick fire. Short and sweet. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Rapid fire. You want to... Uh, Jay, who is one rider you haven't photographed and you'd like to do a shoot with? Probably like one of the, the big American names. You know, Aaron Gwynn, perhaps. Just because, yeah. you know, he's, he's so well known. It would be great to get that kind of coverage. Or, obviously, Greg Minard would be awesome. Um, probably get some good money for those photos too yeah that'd be nice <laughs> um, alright I got one for you uh, we've got you down here as short sims for short sims <laughs> um, so as a short man do you see shorter riders going to 29er down- downhill bikes I think we covered this one earlier <laughs> well I th- okay um, this is going to be a, like a long winded answer but um, I don't think so fire. sorry I don't <laughs> think so quick but I'll explain Danny Hart buzzing his ass a lot with that 29er. It would be sketchy to ride that thing. Mm. Like I, I, I noticed going from 26 to 27.5 when I was riding the local trails in Cypress. Like sometimes when you get a bounce on and there's momentum, like that is hard to shut down. If you've got short legs and you can't really use your leg suspension and you're basing it on a bike, which is set up pretty stiff if you want to race fast, it's hard. So... For the shorter man, yeah, I reckon stick to the 27.5 for as long as you can. Nice. All right, Karen. why aren't 29ers dominant in EWS racing? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question, but it's, um, yeah, no idea. That's basically about where I'm at with that one. Sorry, sorry, guys. That's a pretty <laughs> shit pre- pretty shit answer, but it's um, it still seems like it's I, pretty strongly 27.5. I've noticed when I ride 29... I have to set up for the turns a lot more. Like you yeah. have to kind of arc it in. If, yeah, you, if that yeah, makes sense. Kinda, yeah, I get what you mean. You can't so maybe, square off turns as easy. Yeah, so maybe because EWS, you probably don't really know the track that well. Maybe you can't set up as so. You know, maybe you end up get drifting wide a lot. I don't know. Mm. I haven't yeah, tried I'd, I'd a, on a race. Um, Jay, what could be changed on the World Cup broadcast to make for better viewing? Uh, I think it's got to be something to do with the commentators. Like I like Fair Claudio, cool. um, he's good, but just some of the gaps there in the in the commentating and just yeah, I think Rob's great. He's got great charisma as a as a commentator, but I think he needs someone that can match him with a bit of banter and sort of you need to have lots of you know off the cuff things to say straight away to especially fill up those quiet moments where nothing's happening not just yelling and making weird noises and also missing lots of key stuff that's going on yeah all right dan another one for you uh as a previous world cup privateer what's one thing about the pro teams you envy the most accommodation hands down (laughs) red dog and i have we've camped out just inside the Monson and uh, campus illegally, where Red Dog slept on a bike box with two with tires in between for a mattress, and it was pissing rain. He's still the other time, at me that I forgot to bring him an airbed. 
the other time, well, he bought an airbed, but it popped. <laughs> and do you know why? Because James Rennie, the cheapest man on earth, bought we're going through Walmart. Possible. We're going through Walmart, and there's this airbed section, all nicely pack- packaged up, new airbeds. And then there's one that's blatantly been used and shoved back in the box, and it's like ten dollars cheaper. And he he goes, oh look at this one. And I'm like, James, don't buy that one. Clearly, like someone's used it. Someone's probably had sex on that air mattress. Come on. <laughs> And sure enough, he buys it. We drive like three hours to the racetrack, park up, start blowing our airbeds up. His one doesn't blow up. <laughs> Hashtag privateer uh, life. Yeah. So, yeah. And oh, it's just brutal when you're camping and it's pouring rain. you got muddy gear. So I envy accommodation the most. All right. Karen, with the return of the US Open, do you think US downhill racing is on the rise? Uh, I think until they're the rest of them sort their shit out between like USA cycling and they sort out what's going on with the pro GRT. Then I'd, I'd say no, it's cool to see the US open back and with decent prize money and everything, but that's pretty one off compared to the rest of it. So I'd love to see it back. I love racing in the US, but short answer. I'm going to say not anytime soon. I think they have a lot of good up and coming juniors though. They do. Have Which some... ju- is usually they an indicator a... of the, the, state of the of the um the sport in that country and i think that worries me a little bit about new zealand yeah there's not much going on in that department lately which is unfortunate is is everyone just keen on making instagram videos or i think that's part of the Mm. problem it's the future it is too much time on social media and not enough time riding their bikes Mm. do you have any more uh yeah this one's kind of a little bit irrelevant now but what we'll do I'll I'll ask you a question and then I'll add something to it. Who will be the first woman to break Rachel Atherton's winning streak? Obviously, this was written prior to mm. Rachel Atherton dislocating her shoulder. Who do you think will be the first person to legitimately to beat legitimately her? To legitimately beat her. Um, yeah, probably Tani. Um, yeah, cool. Sam, I'm say Pom Pom. Are you reckon? Mm. We'll see, though. We'll see. It won't be any time soon. Yep. <laughs> um, what's the best training track for downhill racing in the Whistler Bike Park? no that's fun (laughs) you go there if you're a racer like if you if you're a racer you go there you you don't really like a line that much because it's kind of boring i love it not boring but it's like real chill that's all i ride now dirt merchant and a line but best training track would be clown shoes all those all those letters (laughs) (laughs) um is it fantastic to lower whistler downhill or something like that um off the, the fadeaway uh, and then Canadian Open in the bottom Canadian Open's awesome yeah, let me apologise to anyone who's not been to Whistler before yeah if you yeah, haven't been just, you're missing out. just, just go. go and go early season before it's all blown to dry pieces. and blown up KB another one for you yep. which New Zealand downhill track is the most like a World Cup track Fringe Hill circa 2007 oh. 2008 when it was fast so and good. wide open and multi-line and it was just epic did you win it did you win a national champs i did maybe win a national champs title there maybe that's yeah it's close that or current like what we're currently racing now crankworks rotorua that's a that's an awesome track too multi-lines technical stuff great viewing great features awesome awesome atmosphere down the bottom except for when crankworks changes the race to the morning and no one turns up to watch it because no one knows it's changed. So yeah, shut the finals run that for that. Ka- Kaka, no, not Kaka, Fringe Hill. Yeah, 
that original just wide open eh? and just like pegged wide felt like you're on a motocross bike yeah when we how good is that step down as well the the chicane kind of into it and just blind 40 probably 40 foot step down yeah blind just about yeah it was that was pretty good times um (laughs) the last question for you jay is it a social media crime to like your own photos? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think it's a very um, prudent way to get that engagement going, you know? If you don't like your own photos, then who's going to like them? There you have it, James Rooney. <laughs> All right, I got a couple more. Um, That's just so fucking true, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he, he may have been looking at someone, the most liked, uh, the most liking person on my Instagram is myself. Um <laughs> So, I got one for you, Karen. Uh, Greg Minar, Adam Sansurulo, and the pugs are in a burning building. Who do you save? <laughs> I got to save my pugs. Those two, those two are not big enough to save themselves. How, how could I leave my dogs behind? I don't know, man. Minar. Maybe I and could, they're pugs. They, they couldn't get out. <laughs> no, they're pugs. I could maybe like put one... Like, You're depriving Minar the over, world of Greg Minar, Minar over one shoulder dogs. and like AC over the other shoulder and then a pug under each arm or something, but I'm not that strong, so probably not. We might just all have to die in there together. And my, my last question for Dan, what is the best wine match for watching World Cup <laughs> racing? Uh, well, um, a, a red or a white, you reckon... Whatever's cheapest. What about like Jacob's Creek sparkling? That's pretty good. A goon bag box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. That's a good answer. Yeah. All right. So we're basically going to wrap it up because I'm really hungry and want to go home and have yeah. my dinner. Um, <laughs> before we do, can I have your picks? Top three plus a wild card for Lear Gang next week. Starting with you, Dan. Go. Top three are going to be Gwyn for the win. Second will be Lewick. Third will be Loris. And your wild card? My wild card, I'm going to throw one out there for Mark Wallace. Nice. KB. Um, Josh Bryson will take the win on a 26-inch bike. <laughs> um, probably have Nico Vullios in second. <laughs> Who else is there? Kavarik's going to come back. Yeah, maybe, maybe Kavarik or uh, Nathan Rennie might pull out a win too. But no, um, I think... I think it's going to be pretty reminiscent of what we saw, actually. I'm I'm going to pick the same... Well, not the same top three. Yeah, the same top three, but not in the exact order. I think I'm going to go... I didn't have Manar, though, did I? No. No, no. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Manar, and then I'm going to go Gwyn, and then I, I think Jack will pull another one out. I reckon we'll put, we'll put Jack in third next weekend, and then... Um, what did Cam Cole do after he got second at Fort William? What was his next one? It was Leo Fifth, Gang. I think. At Leo Gang. Yeah. Yeah. So he, So yeah. maybe we'll get Cam Cole in there as a wild card. No, I think Jack is Jack will probably do similar. I think that's a good yeah. call. I and should then, have had him as my wild card. And then I'm gonna Connor Fearon's not that much of a wild card, but I think we might see I think we'll see Connor on the podium. Well, I'm gonna stray from my usual picks. I'm gonna put Danny Hart in the mix. Yeah. because um, I think he's got something to prove. Uh Loic Bruni and Connor Fearon. Um, we'll battle it out in there as well. They've both had really good results there in the past, um, so you know that could be that could be could be the race Solid. for Connor. Bold, and uh, I reckon George Brennigan for my wild card. He's brewing, man. Yeah. 
anyway, thanks everyone for for joining us. Um, if you made it this far through, congratulations! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give yourself a pat on the back. You can collect a prize. Yeah, um, we'll be back. Just direct message uh, at Free Ride New Zealand, <laughs> and you'll send it out. Yeah, look forward to that. It'll be a like on your photo. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be back again after Leo Gang. Um, until until then, kakite. Thank you. Thank thanks you to the studio. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks very much to the helpful studio and for Chris again for producing us. Yeah, excellent producer, Chris. And next time we're going to get him on to ask the questions. Um, Quick fire round. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sick. No, it's been awesome. So job, we'll guys. talk to you guys again next week. Next week. How about that? <laughs>